Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your fired up host, Clinton Bonner. This, I, you know, I am thrilled. I'm ecstatic to be joined by the one, the only, the co-host, Brandon Schultz. Another squeaker, but a big one. 30 to 29 versus the hated Rams. <laughs> we come away with the victory. And this is, this is, I am still this fired up. How are you feeling? Oh, feeling good. Getting a win like that and in the fashion that they did. Now, there, there were some things that could have gone a little bit better in a few moments that would have made me even feel even better yeah, than I do. Yeah, but I, I still, agree. it can't bring me down the fact that they missed a field goal at the end to give us a win. I, I still feel great about the entire game. The fact that we could be in first place in the division if the Browns can do their job and, and yes. get it done against the 49ers on Monday night. So uh, looking forward to that. And I'm I'm glad to hear you, Clinton, with now that you've had a few days to recover, but I can still sense that just that little bit of strain in your voice that you got to that you you pushed your voice to the edge on Thursday night. I mean, there was we were pushing to the limits, as they say. Right. So we took it to the limit. We took it to the limit one more time. And then Greg the Neg just sails one just just right of the post there. And the place erupted. But, yeah, I was there with with uh, quite a number of flockers. It was it was so awesome to be there live. So uh, number one was there with Flocktimus. So with Keith Ketover, he was my seatmate and we had a blast the entire time. But we also got to hang out with uh, with Ed Essie. I'm going to call him Ed Squeezebox Essie. He knows why. <laughs> he had his boy. Yeah, there's a story there. We had his boy Jake from State Farm with us as well. But we also got to meet up with uh, with Lisa Carlson and uh, and Kari Lake, and and they were they were tremendous too. That we had such a blast. We hung out at uh, Pyramid Brewing beforehand. Got a couple of libations going. Head Lynn caught the Paul Allen tribute, which is really really well done, and and, and just you know, just properly well done, which, you know, completely expect that this is, a, this is a top-notch organization. And then we got to the game and then we got the result and we had Greg the neg and the whole thing already. And it was, it was just great. But yes, we literally screamed the entire time so much so that the, the older, very nice couple, but older couple to the right of, of Floctimus, as he's w- walking past at the end of the game, he goes, you screamed a good game, kid. So I was like, <laughs> so I felt like, I felt we did our part for, it's been for me 15 years since I've been out there. It was 2004, the wow. last time I saw a game in Seattle. So, um, so, you know, it was, it was a tremendous victory and we, yeah. And my voice is still like this because of screaming my face off all night Thursday and pretty much into Friday morning because it was just that good. Yeah, 2004. That was probably the last time. That was the first big rivalry between these two organizations. And, you know, that was great. A show on turf. You know, they're kind of winding down toward the end about 2004, right before the Seahawks ramped up into to their ownership of the NFC West. So hopefully that's where we're back at this right now. You know, the, you give the Rams a couple years. That's fine. But now we're returning. We're going to take this thing over. It's a nice bookend, isn't it? It's a nice bookend. It's exactly that. We lend it to some teams for a few years. Here you go, Niners. Enjoy it for a little bit. Here you go, Rams. Enjoy it for a little bit. Cardinals, eh, we'll talk to you maybe in another decade or so. But but it it is ours to win, and, and we did take it back with this big victory. And Brandon... This is the best part because you know we don't have a lot of rules here on three and three out, but but what's what is kind of our golden rule? What is when it? When we win, Clinton, 
We start with an N. We start with an N. And are we, we giving it to Greg in. the egg? Or are we are we going to go Seahawks? We're going to go Seahawks you know, on the ends. Yeah, we did. We did have some uh, some uh, some folks suggesting on Twitter that maybe uh, maybe Zerline deserves the, the the out the in and everything already. And uh, no, we're going to stick with the Seahawks. But but we'll re- we'll recognize that the dude the dude botched one, and that's fantastic. And the place was so loud up until that last kick that I gotta think I gotta believe. That the voice, you know, the voice draining was 100% worth it and it moved the ball just, just ever so slightly so we could capture the victory. But, but listen, there is sometimes, I th- you know, the listeners who are new to this, they might not know that with three in, three out, we really like to look at those, those minute details and those, we call them the nooks and the crannies. However, however, there were just some times where there's something so special and you see it live that you have to call it out. You have to start with it. It has to be this first like rainbow connection. So, you know, when you have these two premier players doing their thing in such a crucial part of the game, the first in has to go to Dixon to Ugo Umadi. That <laughs> is the play of the game right there. 20 to 14. The Rams have all the momentum in the world. They're getting the ball back again. They absolutely cannot score when they get the ball back. And Dixon lands the ball at about the eight-yard line or so. Takes a pretty good little hop. Now, Ugo could have grabbed the ball at the six, could have grabbed the ball at the five, could have stopped at the four, and I was right there. You know where the seats are. So that was that was our end zone and right, right in front of us. So that's probably the best play I saw the entire game from a, from a pure vantage point. And he keeps scooching back, scooching back. And I'm like, no, no, just grab it. Just grab the damn thing. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it was like, press your luck, man. Like, he just like kept on like, you know, no, no whammies. whammies no, yeah, no, no whammies. <laughs> Big bucks plus a spin. And Ugo deadens it at the one. And man, to me, Brandon, that is the play of the game right there. Because at 20 to 14, that completely changed the game. So for me, that is the big first in. It was a huge momentum shift and it got us back to where we need to be. And uh, did, how did it feel for you at home when you when you were watching that play? And, and what do you think of Ugo's effort in, in that moment? Well, it really did turn the momentum because from that moment, you have to go back to the end of the second quarter when the Seahawks, they go for the 48-yard field goal, they get the miss. That gives the Rams a chance to, with, you know, just over a minute and a half left to drive down the field to get the touchdown right before the half. And then you know that they're getting the ball coming out of halftime too. And that allowed them that, that big swing to really let the Rams take control of the game. And you're thinking, okay, well, if the Seahawks can just get back in it with their first possession of the third quarter, things will be fine. But no, they, he, he gets the one pass to Will Disley. He gets the one first down, but then three straight plays after that, they're punting. And it was that Michael Dixon punt to just really stop him deep. They're able to get the three and out, and then they're able to get the short field on that very next drive, which results in the touchdown. Absolutely. It was, it was as big as it, as it could get. And then that resulting three and out right there got a little help. I think it was a uh, Goff missing woods on a slant that would have been at least probably, you know, seven or eight yards right there on second down, but KJ Wright flying over on first down and then just getting the third down play and then getting the ball in, in, you know, back on the Ram side of the field, it set the game up and really put us kind of back in the driver's seat. And this what it was one of those games that had, you know, exchanging drivers, like who's, who's really in control here. Obviously, Obviously, Rams out early, Seahawks taking it, uh, taking control in the first and second quarter, and then and then losing that momentum at the end end of the half there. But man, oh man, what a huge play by by Ugo! And got to give love to Dixon because because he was listen in in the biggest moments he had the biggest punts and and special teams came up huge. So for me, 
That's the first in. Love starting with that because, listen, I, I I know we all know that the Wilson to Lockett connection that is all time right there. Everybody's talking about it. it's going to be out there all week, of course. But that connection of Dixon to Ugo to get him at the one yard line at twenty to fourteen when it happens, I'm going to even say it was actually even a bigger play. All right, so flipping on over now to the outside of the ledger. We just teased it, so I have it in my stack, so I might as well go right to it and just just put it out there. For me, this was deja vu all over again, Brandon. Deja vu, you probably know where I'm going. We just teased it, and and for the listeners out there, we don't discuss these beforehand. I throw these over blindly, blindly (laughs) to Brandon, and he just has to react, and sometimes the asinine things I say, I'm surprised he's so calm sometimes, but he (laughs) he does a good job with it, but- but that that fourth and one from the 30-yard line, we're up 14 to six. We are in control of this game, and we decide to settle for a, a fairly long field goal. Now, of course, we're paying Myers good money. Myers has got to make that, and I know math. Don't be throwing the math at me. I understand that 17 to six, I get it. You're up, you know, you're up beyond, you're into two-score territory, but there's a couple things here for me, Brandon. Number one, we are running the ball well. Number two, this is like we have we have taken over complete control of this game. The momentum, everything else is on our side. And number three, we literally discussed this last week. And my my prognosis was, hey, I kind of, although I hated it then too, I was like, I kind of understand it against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are not going to drive down the field. The Cardinals don't have the offense that other teams have. You could you could definitely more more get away with it. But we won the game twenty seven to ten last week, and it was like, yeah. Could have been like a 42 to three game if we just stepped on the gas. In, and I, you know, I said uh, Mama Cleo style, you know, uh, Nostradamus that next week versus the Rams, this won't happen. If we're in that situation, we're just going to pound it and we're going to get that first down and keep it going. We didn't do it again. I could not hate it more. I know there's debate on both sides of this. And I know there's also debate on is, is sports momentum real? I saw that on Twitter. Let me, let me tell you, hell friggin' yes, sports momentum <laughs> is real because we're in our stadium at home and it sucked the energy completely out of the stadium. Even if he makes that field goal, it sucks the energy out. The thing to do there was to get the first down, bleed the clock, and either go get three with the Rams having no time left or go get seven more and put the game away early. So I could not be more disappointed in that out. Thankfully, we won the game, but that one is is got to be the big O, the big scarlet letter, and I hate being passive in that situation. Well, I'm a little bit surprised because, as you explained before, uh, this is nooks and crannies type stuff on three and three out. Everybody's talking about this fourth down, Clinton. So I know but this one was too too damn big, too damn big. <laughs> it's too big to let it pass. I understand your frustration in this, and I understand how this can be a critical call. You know, maybe we are still even talking about this if Jason Myers makes that 48 yard field goal. But you know that that momentum shift that can come if you don't get the run as well. And you know sure. what to, you know what it is to me if I'm going to give somebody the out. How about giving it to Chris Carson for not picking it up on third and one on the play right before? Yeah, you know, Carson, Carson's got to eat a little bit of it, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of blocking on that particular play. So what Carson, makes you think it, you were going to get blocking on fourth and one? Because if it, cause it's like a coin toss. It's probably going to be the <laughs> other side the next time. It's just, you know, it's 50-50. I just, I, or it doesn't have to be Carson. You could pull the ball down. You could, there's other things you could do. Heck, throw a little tight end dump to Disley just to throw him off. It'll probably be wide open on fourth and one. So it doesn't have to be Carson, but I, I really would love us to just, we're on their 30. We got, we got the momentum. They're on the ropes early. 
when, when was the last time the Rams were on the ropes with us like that? Sure, sure as heck wasn't last year. Well, I would have so, loved the knockout punch on the ropes, but I, I can understand the call from the sense that that was three straight drives from the Rams that you had shut the Rams down, kept them to, to no points after giving them two field goals early. So really, you know, you shut them down to field goals on those first two drives. Then, you know, they go without anything on the next three drives. It seemed like the defense was in control of this game. And so I guess from that perspective, you can say, well, that gives you the latitude to go for it on fourth and one as well. But, you know, it, it kind of made sense, too, that, hey, you have this Pro Bowl kicker, 48 yards. He should be you know, making those kicks inside of 50. I mean, there's risk whether you go for it on fourth or whether you kick a long field goal. So I'm I'm fine no with doubt. the call either way. I, I got you. And I know lots of Seahawks fans are. Um, I just believe in taking smart risks when when you have the opportunity to do so. And to me, that was that is one where I, I hope I hope that in coming weeks, if we're on the 25, 30 yard line, it's fourth and one, you know, and, and we and we have the momentum. We're up. It is time to take a smart risk and, and go get it. And I'll just, you know, this is not even on the inside ledger. I'll go back and say, hey, that fourth and five, the game winning touchdown to, to Carson. That, again, to me, was the entire time, like, we cannot settle for three here. The entire time. It's like, we have to get six here. And then, of course, we went for eight, and that was a good a good breakup. That's not, you know, not on the three and three out ledger, but just, you know, so where I, where I bash credit on one side, I got to give credit later and say, they were in the mentality of, there's no way we're settling for three this late in the game. And I thought that was a great decision on that side when it, when it mattered even more. So with that, again, we, you know, we, we are talking about a, we're talking about a win, right? So this is, this is fantastic. <laughs> when, when we could talk about an out, we can discuss it, have different opinions, but at the end of the day, we still come away with the victory. All right, Brandon. So hopping back over to the inside of the ledger. This is this is one where I actually had four ins that I really want to put in there. And by the way, don't let me don't let me forget about a bonus in that involves a U.S. veteran. Please put a mm. pin in that. All right. Put a pin in that. I've got to got to give a bonus shout out for that later. But all right. So I'll say this quickly that my in was going to be for Jamarco Jones because man, oh man. Did that dude just step in and look and look and just look the part, right? So I just want to kind of get that out there early and say, um, there's tons of great footage out there and there's tons of, uh, some good video breakdowns. And I know people are really talking about Jamarco Jones quite a bit. So I'm going to say he's deserving of it. I'm going to pivot to a different area real quick, but I got to give some love to Jamarco Jones. It's kind of a, a sidecar in because the man just stepped up. However, hey, with that, no, you oh, could give him, you could give him a full in. 65, <laughs> 65 offensive snaps and the man gives up zero pressures. The only, he was the only lineman apart from George Fant who only had seven plays to give up zero pressures. Now Dwayne yeah. Brown did pretty well to I, only give up one, but you know, that group, that group, Jamarco Jones, holy smokes. What a, what a performance to come in and, and fill in behind DJ Fluker. And to play a position he's not used to playing, right? He's just, he hasn't really played throughout his, throughout that, his career. And yeah, second year guy, when he was drafted too, we were all like, Hey, this could be the guy. This could be, this could be the, the sneaky, you know, what was he? A fifth rounder, I believe. I forget yeah. exactly where, where yeah, I, I, knew, I knew he was, I knew he was fairly late, but you know what? Give me those kind of dudes from, from college football that might not have like all the spark stats jumping off, but play in a program where they run the ball down people's throats and, and, you know, 
and you get guys like Jones, so which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how this goes. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's more ins because when you beat the Rams at home, they maybe it's just it's a bouquet. You of get ins. a bonus in, yeah. You okay. get a bonus. We'll, we'll in. squeeze yeah. two into one here. We'll squeeze yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the other side of the coin is for me, man. Did you get a chance to see the uh, the Baldy breakdown on uh, on Clowney? Did you yes. see his his um, so so I already had a sense that man for, for me I understand Clowney's not sometimes showing up in the, in the stat sheet but this dude is every bit for me as disruptive as Clark had been through the first five five games last year and Clark just had more sacks but Clowney it just in the biggest moments on the third downs that dude is just he creates havoc man and again he might not be getting home right now at the sacks but how many times was he like jumping in Goff's face and pressuring uh, pressuring Goff to throw the ball just a little bit early getting him off his mark which we talked about last week you you talked about last week with uh, with Bear um I thought Clowney was the the ultimate disruptor in this game so I wanted to give the in to Clowney as well plus he caused that fumble and recovered that fumble on Gurley earlier in the game. So love Jones. Jones did some amazing things. I'm going to give the official in to Clowney because I think it's a little bit, little bit more uh, uh, under talked about this week versus the Jones story. Or you can pair them together in are some of the, the two top guys from the trenches this last week. How about that? I like that. I like it. It's, a, it's an apex. I like that. We take the offense, you take the defense, you, you say there's a there's a, a gelled in together because, again, it is a team effort. So I love that. And what did you what did you see from Clowney? Any particular play stand out to you that you were, uh, you know, loving and getting you jazzed? Hey, how about uh, an end to the officials for not calling the uh, the roughing the passer on? You see, they, they knew there weren't any bad intentions for Clowney going in there, unlike when Clay Matthews was going into Russell Wilson. You know, you could yeah. you could see that Clowney was. Yeah, he hit he hit Jared Goff in the neck, but it was kind of like just the start of a big hug. And so the, the officials saw that and they said, you know what, we're not going to flag this guy. I like that. It was it was all just rainbows and lollipops and a big a big the start of a big hug. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that in 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 some way in life at some point. But I also will say that the Clay Matthews uh you know roughing was just rubbish. That that is not that like you know makeup look, call we'll take, Clinton. That was a makeup we'll, call for all we'll, of the other we'll, bad we'll take, intentions yeah, that yeah. Clay Matthews has shown uh, yes. Russell Wilson yeah. over the years. And he broke, and he got his jaw jaw broken for that. Karma. So it's a little, it, yeah, exactly. Instant karma is going to get you. So, so that's my second in. I just, I was super, super jazzed about seeing Clowney flying around, lining up all over the field. And again, if you haven't seen the the Baldy breakdown on Twitter yet, uh, Brian Baldinger does these wonderful breakdowns. They're really simple, but they're really effective, and they're they're a good watch. He has a great one on Clowney, and, and I I urge all the Seahawks fans to go out there and check that one out, just to see the amount of times that Clowney was the most disruptive dude on the field. All right, Clinton. Well, what do you say with that? Let's get to a break and we'll come back and we'll finish off with the ins and with the outs. Very nice. Let's do it. Okay, Brandon. So we're back on over to the outside of the ledger. And, you know, this this one, I, I, I'll be fairly flat with this one. I didn't think that, uh, that Jerron Brown was, was a very good football player, um, uh, on, on Thursday. He was, he was okay. He was okay. Um, obviously Malik Turner really wasn't, didn't show up on the sheet, but Brown, I thought there was, there's two things in a game like this. The obvious one is the early fumble. You know, you got to take care of the ball. He's going towards the sideline. He lets the ball kind of just get away from, from his side as he's going towards the sideline. 
got to take better care of that ball. It was to me, it was reminiscent of um, the 2013 NFC championship game where like in the first series, Russell's pirouetting and, and gives the ball up right there. And then the, I think we actually held them. I'm uh, actually, and I'm, in fact, I know we did. We held the Niners in that situation to three points as well. Mm-hmm. And we, and we held the Rams here to three, which was huge. So shout out to the defense for giving it to them for the offense, giving it to them on a short field and the Rams only getting three. But that was the obvious part. I thought the other part that really bugged me about Brown was late in the game where Russ has that scramble around the 15-yard line. Yeah, Russ has that scramble. That should that should narrow it down for <laughs> that, the listeners. That narrows it down to about 18 Yeah, that narrows plays. it down. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 nothing. It's not when when Effetti, you know, doesn't really block well again and Russ has to skate somehow and get out, get out, get out and get open. But regardless, it, it's it's that play where um we are down, we are in the red zone. Russ does Russ things. He gets out and he throws a a, a dart to Brown and Brown just stops his route. Brown mm-hmm. just sits down at the wrong point. And if Brown just keeps on going, I, I even live to Flocktimus, I'm sitting next to Keith. I'm like, dude, Brown just had to keep going. Russ put the ball where it was supposed to be. Brown just sits down at the wrong time and the ball just slides by both of them. The thing is too, like there was a play earlier in the game where Russ is scrambling and he throws the ball across his body to Tyler Lockett and Tyler Lockett sits down. But Tyler Lockett, if you go back and watch that play, he had to sit down. The dudes were like surrounding him circularly and sitting down was the right thing to do in that, in that instance. And Russ puts the ball where it had to be. It's the exact opposite with Brown. Brown's got a linebacker like kind of right behind him. I think it's a linebacker. And if he just keeps on pushing over to the right, the ball is going to hit him in stride and he's in for an easy six. He sits down, the ball slides past him. And I'm sitting there going, man, you got to have a bit more awareness. I realize not everybody can be Tyler Lockett and, you know, Brown is not Tyler Lockett, but I thought the combination of losing the early fumble and then just not having some of the awareness skills that I would love our wide receivers to have, that was a compilation for me and Brown gets hung with the out. You have to wonder at what point that David Moore is going to step up and really, t- you know, take over that spot from Brown because Brown is getting more snaps right now than David Moore is. Now it's not significant in this game. You know, Brown was in there for 23 of the 74 offensive plays. So maybe he's starting to lose a little bit of that time. DK Metcalf in at 51 snaps, you know, obviously Tyler Lockett, the guy that you want on the field the most in for 67. So 91% of the time you got Lockett on the field, but it does feel like there's a spot for more to get even more snaps. And, you know, whether it's DK Metcalf spot, whether it's Jerome Brown spot, there are more snaps out there for a guy like David Moore or Malik Turner. So with Jerome Brown having some, some issues with struggling, whether it's, you know, being on the same page with Russell Wilson, whether it's giving up the fumble on the very first drive of the game, I'm ready to see more from more. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it was last week or two weeks ago where I was saying, you know, I, I wasn't sure about the, uh, when Moore came back, I think it was a Saints game. Then we kind of saw like a there was less there was less targets that went to, uh, to to DK's way, and I was like, well, it just felt like there was at that point maybe just one too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, just just a few too many. And are we sharper? Are we better off like reining that in a bit and just getting a higher percentage of targets to a smaller pool of people? And I think we might be. I think we might be. I mean, hey, Moore did not get a lot of opportunities. However, when he did get the ball. He did put, you know, uh, Marcus Peters on skates and, and blew right past him for six, which was an, a really nice individual effort on his part and a, and a key part of the game as well. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can't say I can't go all in and say 
it's it's definitely I want more and more and I want less brown and I you know well when are we going to see Asua and and Malik look good when he got his opportunities early in the year I don't know I just get the feeling that we almost have almost like one too many guys that are very 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 similar and one of them has to step up and and just take take the reins as that as that WR three and start to really get uh, more more chances as that WR three and you know what it's also week five. And we're four and one and we have time to figure that out. So I, I suspect by week 12, week 13, 14, there's going to be somebody has grabbed it and solidified it and will be that much stronger because of that. Well, and that's the the good thing to point out here. I mean, we could be arguing over with the loss of Doug Baldwin, you know, who's going to be stepping in and filling up the role. Obviously, Tyler Lockett taking that spot. But then you have Will Disley, you know, probably you probably have a fight between Uncle Will and Tyler Lockett as to who the number one target is on any given play. But those two guys, clearly the two number ones for Russell Wilson, where he's looking most of the time. And then you have DK. And then now you're just looking at, well, I suppose you could throw Chris Carson in there, too. And then so we're arguing over who's going to be that fifth guy to get touches. Yeah, on a team where uh, we threw twenty three passes, like we, where we don't do what the what most in the NFL do, right? So, right. Um, so correct. It's just a it's it's one of those things, and this is why, like, if you're if you do play fantasy football, you're always like, oh crap, see the Seahawks, because like you just you just don't have enough attempts. Uh, you know, unlike other teams that are throwing the ball 35, 40 times every single week consistently, it's not how we ball. So it yeah. is what it is. Cooper Cup, seventeen targets. <laughs> He had, he had as many targets as Russell had completions. Holy Hannah. And, and, and he had a couple of drops, by the way. He had a couple of, you know, I mean, dude, the dude played a great game. And he's having a fantastic year, but he still drops the ball every now and again. Like he's his, he, you know, just every now and again, he just drops the ball he should have. And, and you know what? I couldn't smile wider when it happens. All right, Brandon. So, so I went and saved the best for last year. Yes, a little, a little Vanessa Williams, if you will. And it, it might not be your best and everybody else's best, but you know what? It doesn't matter. This is three and three out, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna call the shots here. So, I have got to give this to this dude. By the way, when you see this guy and he's on the sidelines and his arms are the size of like the biggest dudes in the world's thighs, right? Like his shoulders are just that thick and that massive. And you're like, man, I'm so glad we got this dude to stuff things up the middle to be there on the defensive line. Listen, that that two-point conversion stop by Al Woods, that play has got to be put on a pedestal, has got to be, you know, you got to give him the gold medal. You got to walk him down the alley with Chewbacca and, and their people got to celebrate that thing. That was an incredible, incredible individual effort. He stands his dude up. He shucks his guy to the left. He gets his tremendous thigh arms around. Was it Gurley? Was it Gurley trying to pound it in? Who was? Oh no, Goff. Goff. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he you know, got. He gets his 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 whole thigh arm around Goff's neck. Of course, it was called uh, it was called a good conversion. Then they had the review, which made it that much sweeter. I think it was Bobby who also chipped in at the very mm-hmm. end to make sure that Goff didn't get in. But man, oh man, talk about the play, the circumstance, the individual effort to shuck his dude and stop another human being in his tracks. The end for me, the biggest, the biggest play of the game, Al Woods on that, on that two point nullifier, man, Al gets the end. I could not love that play more. And to me, it embodies what this team is all about. That was huge to me. 
Yes, and as Vanessa says, you know, sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes the sun goes round our woods. Uh, it's I'm I'm so glad that you saved the best for last with Mr. Woods because that play to to hold Goff out of the end zone it kind of and it kind of shuffled how the scoring would go uh, in that fourth quarter too because yep. if they get the two points there then you know do the Seahawks actually just settle for a field goal later on uh, and you know how does that put them in position for the, the next score when they go for it on fourth down, it just seemed like it kind of shook up that fourth quarter. And ultimately uh, that, that play, it, it shows up big. And I feel like not enough people are going to recognize the contribution of Woods in that situation to, to keep Goff out of the end zone when it was just so close. And, and great, great job pulling up the lyrics there. I didn't, I hadn't realized that, that she wrote about this, you know, probably about 20 years ago, but good on her, you know, good on her to be, to she, be knew, that, she uh, knew about Al Woods. Yeah. She, she was, yeah, she that was, connection. that's pretty amazing. It, it's foresight. A, oh yeah. Always a great song. Now that much better. So good, good on her. But yeah, man, I'm just, I was enamored with this play and, and just also Al Woods, it's, you know, the Seahawks are very good at this, right? The Seahawks are very good about finding some veteran along the defensive line who becomes a big contributor. I mean, we're talking about Reed uh, coming off uh, coming off his uh, six-game suspension after next game. Hopefully, we're sitting at five and one. Hopefully, we can go, you know, go march over to Cleveland and get a victory. Um, but we were very concerned earlier in the year. And of course, we made our moves. We had Ansa. We, we added Clowney. But Al Woods has been has been this like just this solid stalwart in the middle. And um, and he's been so consistently good. And that play just stood out to me. That was gigantic. Loved every single second of it. And yeah, man, you got to give the big man some love. There were so many great plays. Obviously, T2's interception is like an all-time interception. Watching that celebration uh, from, from the stadium, that was electric. It was an amazing, amazing moment. However, my love goes to the big man, Al Woods, just yanking. And by the way, it doesn't hurt that he just yanked Goff down basically by the neck and threw him backwards. That was extra special. All the ins. Love you, Al. All right, Brandon, hop on over to our last out. And again, it's always okay. When we when we end with an out, that means we started with an in. I, I almost feel like though on on wins like this, like can we just can we start with an and finish with an in? Like do, does it have to be three outs? Well, how about this? We did we did put that pin in that bonus in, right? So so we oh, will nice. come okay. back to it. We'll come back. We'll come back. We'll, 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 we'll finish with an in on a, on a big game like this. I, I don't I don't mind the audible. I kind of like that. So, but we'll get to this pretty quick. So so for me, the the last out was. Listen, we've been playing a ton of like traditional 4-3 base. And yes, we saw more Taylor. And I thought Taylor played really well. You watch, go watch that that fourth quarter. I mean, honestly, there was there was Shaq who had a chance at an interception. There was there was uh, McDougal that had a chance for interception. There was Taylor breaking up multiple, multiple outs while, while the Rams were trying to drive, you know, those last couple of drives. But what I so so I was very encouraged when we were in nickel, but I didn't think we had quite enough nickel for this game. Mm. Now I'm not gonna. It's it's. I understand we have the three, you know, probably three of the most talented uh, linebackers in the game, and I understand we do we, we we just do different things. The Seahawks are gonna do different things. However. Against a team like this, I thought McVeigh made an adjustment right before the uh, the end of the second half, and then clearly into the second half to expose this kind of zone base. And I wanted more nickel 
much, much sooner once they started shredding this. And I thought it was a mistake to kind of wait until a little bit later to kind of ramp up how much nickel we were getting there and how much how much time Taylor was getting on the field. And I realized you go back and look at the stats that Taylor was on the field a lot more than games previous. But I thought there was a chance to kind of dial his usage up up to eleven this time, and they probably cranked it to like seven or eight. They 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 didn't overload on on nickel, but on a team where you got three wideouts that can do their thing and an emerging tight end, I kind of feel. And by the way, he's kind of a, a shifty, fast, almost a fourth receiver in Everett, right? Um, when you face those kind of teams, I think you got to go much heavier on nickel much sooner. So for me, that was an out, but also to me, I think a learning moment where if they face teams like this later in the year, maybe perhaps the Rams later in the year, we're going to see more nickel. And again, we're four and one and we're, and we're picking nits on how much nickel is out there. Right. So, but to me, that was, that was the final out. I think they have an opportunity to play Taylor more. And the flip side of this out is Taylor could have been an in. You know, it's it's interesting that you bring up Taylor in this, but, you know, my concern with this particular game is that this would have been an opportunity, I think, for Akeem King to play more nickel coverage because yeah. you had the huge games by the tight ends. Gerald Everett, holy smokes, what a game by him. Yeah. If you're playing nickel and if you have Akeem King out on the field rather than and matching up with the tight end rather than having Jamar Taylor trying to take on some of those big guys or trying to have the linebackers and coverage on those plays. But Akeem King wasn't even active in this game. So that's kind of the curious thing. And it sounded like from Carol's perspective that they were they were ready for them to do some extra things with their tight ends and maybe maybe go that direction a little bit more. But he didn't expect them to do it as much as they did. He didn't expect Gerald Everett to have just a career game against this team. So, you know, that was something he didn't anticipate and, and probably will next time. And we'll have to see how the Seahawks handle that in, in their upcoming matchup with the Rams. But, um, yeah, just a, a disappointing day that and I understand what they're doing in and as far as their nickel went with with Taylor, you know, he was in on those two minute type drives where the, the Rams are just when they were passing on every single play. You needed that guy out there then. And but really, whatever the, the Rams were doing in those two minute drives, it was working for them almost every time. Yeah, just difficult to, to defend. And I, and I think your call out of King, uh, you know, not even being active is a great one because I think it was the Seahawks Chiefs game last year where where it was King, right, who kind of shut down Kelsey. Didn't yeah. Kelsey have a, a quiet game? I mean, this was the explosive offense. This was Mahomes rolling in and they are, they are a top offense in the league. There's no, there's no not denying it. And King did a great job on Kelsey last year. So, Good call out. Didn't but were any of us that. really worried that, oh, you got to watch out for Gerald Everett or, or Tyler Higby going into this game? No, you're saying watch out for Brandon Cooks. Watch out for Cooper Cup. Watch out for Robert Woods. And Gerald Everett was the forgotten guy by, I think, all of us, even, even yep. Pete Carroll. Yep. You can't plan for them all. So, and again, it's an out when we won the game. So, but, but I, but I love it. I love the fact that you say, why can't we end with an in? So we, we talked about it earlier. I'll bounce right into it if it's good by you. Let's do it. All right, so during the game, I forget which quarter it was. There were some libations going on. We were screaming our faces off the entire time. Might have been the second quarter, might have been the third quarter. Hard telling, not known as as Adam would say, of course. But 
There was a moment in the game during a commercial break where they brought a uh, a World War II veteran, and I, I apologize. I'm sure listeners can go back and watch the video or find it on Twitter. I don't know the gentleman's name, but the place erupts. Everybody's doing a, a beautiful standing ovation for this this uh, this World War II vet. He's standing there, loud and proud. Obviously, an older gentleman at this point, but he's got his hats on. It's got the pins on it, and and everybody's you know super proud uh, proud of this guy to begin with, and, and doing the right thing. Standing up and, and clapping and, and screaming for this gentleman's effort and everything he has sacrificed. Then the the orderly, if you will, uh, is there with with a wheelchair and you know attempts to get this gentleman back in a wheelchair to wheel him off the field. And he shoo shoes he shoo shoes <laughs> this, this orderly with his hands and like just like kind of just Heisman stiff arms him and then proceeds to walk off as fast as he could, which was still which was still a good gait. And the place erupts even louder. The, pl- the, the the clink just goes ballistic. Watching this this uh, this vet walk off the field, shoo shoo and poo poo the wheelchair. He takes his time, but he gets off the field with with pride. He gets off standing up. And in my brain, I'm sitting there talking to Keith. I'm like, hey man, that dude just said, "There's no effing way I'm getting wheeled off this field. No way," because <laughs> you know he was on some mountain or he was in some boat, and he has seen some of the, the toughest things that could ever be thrown in a human and I just loved it. You know what? I'll put it up for a, a better at life nomination and, and kick it back to you guys for later on as well. But it was emotional and it, it did. And the whole clink just erupted with kind of just joy and pride for, for what, what this veteran embodied. So I wanted to give a special in because that was a special moment and it's things you don't see on TV that you do get to see live. And I just thought it was tremendous. And I wanted to share that with, uh, with the whole flock. Yeah, looking at the military Seahawkers Facebook page, it looks like it was Lauren Kissick of Puyallup, who, uh, yeah, 95 years old, World War II vet. Yeah, look, a guy who's part of uh, D-Day, a part of Battle of the Bulge. You know, that guy, yeah, he's he's going to make sure that everybody knows his toughness. Exactly. And he showed it. He showed out. And for that, he's getting that bonus in. All right, Brandon, it is about that time that we go over to our our favorite part of the entire three in, three out. Of course, that is from the flock. For those that don't know, you you might be listening to this uh, you know, on field goals, of course, but the Seahawkers podcast is is a wonderful community. And in fact, there's tons of folks in the Seahawks pod ring of honor, the Facebook group. We get together on Slack. We're on Facebook. Folks are on Twitter. And I just ask folks who are listening, hey, hashtag something 3i30, throw your ins and outs towards me and Brandon and we'll do our best to incorporate them back into the weekly segment. So right now, let's get to it. Let's get to some from the flock. Well, let's start with one that we already covered, Clinton. Garrett Strong Banks in with Jamarco Jones, never playing guard before and just handling Aaron Donald in this game. I mean, that was, we. yes, we covered it. Garrett's a smart guy. And I mean, man, oh man, like, Jones just looked, he just looked like a natural out there. He just looked like a natural, like just switching off dudes and just, he did such a good job just moving people to the outside just to give Russ enough lanes to do Russell Wilson things. So Garrett, you saw, we saw, you know, we, we all celebrate that. And I agree that that's a great end to start it off and giving some more love to uh, Jamarco Jones. Awesome. Going to move on over to Daniel Weinholz. Daniel gave, let's see, his last three ends go like this. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, 
Russell Wilson. And then he caps it off with a fourth one saying, Russell Wilson is amazing. So completely, <laughs> completely agree with all that. I do want to give uh, you know, some of the other sides of it too. So Daniel was also looking at the, the lack of a pass rush. He called, he called on that as an out and he's like, Hey, he's basically saying, when is Ziggy going to show up? You know, Ziggy did have that play where he was off balance, ends up hitting the knees, costing, costing Seattle 15. But Daniel's looking at Ziggy going, Hey man, when are you going to show up? And, and, and Hey man, Daniel, I think Ziggy's going to show up quite a bit in the second half of the year as he gets more acclimated with the defense. And we talked about Clowney earlier, but a couple of ins and outs from Daniel there. Thanks for the contributions. Yeah. I think this defense, gosh, once you get Jaron Reed back in there, pair mm-hmm. him with Clowney, pair him with Ziggy Anza, and they all kind of get acclimated. They have some time to play together and understand which, what each player's doing. It's going to set things up nicely for a nice stretch run of pass rush from those that core group of guys. Agree. Let's go over to Dave Bloomquist, a.k.a. Hong Kong Hawk. His in third down defense. And really, holy smokes, uh, three of 11 for the Rams on the day. So pretty good numbers. A couple drives. I think they had one drive where they were consistently getting down the field, but it was they did ultimately hold the Rams to a to a field goal on that particular drive that I'm thinking of where they picked up two of their three third downs on the day. So yeah, third down defense in. Yeah, that, that's a big one too. I remember rewatching this game. I rewatched part of it on the flight home, the second half on the flight home. And then I watched Godzilla, the King of the Monsters. So anybody out there, by the way, not to interrupt your beautiful, uh, you know, uh, in there, Bloomy, but King of the Monsters, if you're a Godzilla fan, that's a fantastic, fantastic monster movie. So anybody, anybody who poo pooed that, you just, you, you need to do better. That's a fantastic, <laughs> it's a great Godzilla movie. I mean, let's not go in expecting, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Steel Magnolias. Like, let's not, let's not, let's not go look for that. It's a Godzilla movie. They did it awesome and did it right. But that was a great flight home. So I got the Seahawks second half and I got some Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But they, they did show a stat like towards the end where the Rams were at that point just two for nine. And I'm like, damn, it almost didn't show up that way. But when you go back and rewatch, yeah, they did a really, really good job on third down. I think it goes back to what you talked about, um, Brandon with Bear in the preview show was like getting Goff off his off his mark. You know, just yeah. just doing enough to get him on the run. He is not a very good uh he's not he's not very accurate on the run. He played a pretty good game, I thought, overall, but the Seahawks did enough, especially in those third downs, to get him off his mark. And then he then he became less accurate. And that that was a big thing. So Bloomy, I think that's a great end. Good job calling that one out. Yeah, 50% completion percentage for Goff when he was on the move uh, in this game. So, yeah, when they so were able to get pressure on him and and get him moving, when, it, yeah, he's, he can't be as accurate. Stats don't lie. You know, that, that, that those those are real real things right there. Awesome, Brandon. So, listen, now now we're sitting here, right? We are, we're 4-1. We got one more game before we get Reed back. The Browns are interesting. They're an interesting team. I love the fact that we, we get to wait till Monday night to see the Browns take on the Niners. We get to cheer for the Browns. We get to sit, we get to cheer that they, we don't, we don't want to cheer for injury, but we certainly want to cheer for dudes getting worn down, getting tired and being, being banged up a little bit for, you know, a little, little bit of sore for a, a six day week. And then we get to roll out to Cleveland. Let's see how they play on Monday. But, but I go in, I don't know about you. I go in expecting us to get a road victory and take this thing to five and one. How about you? Hey, this is kind of a little scheduling assist from the NFL, right? Because not only do the Browns have to travel to Santa Clara and play on Monday night, 
Now they have a short week. They not only do they have a short week, but they have to travel back home across the country to Cleveland. And so we're making the trip. They're making the trip. We have the the extra few days. This this is lining up in terms of I know you know Dave Bloomquist to shout him out again. He always looks for these little scheduling quirks, and I think this could really have that added little benefit for Seattle going into Cleveland. Yep, was talking about this with Keith Ketover on our, our walk back down the ramp, and and ten days versus six six days, and and it's uh, it's a lot it's a lot easier to prep for ten days, and we both got to make a West Coast back to back to uh, center center of the country trip. So with you a hundred percent, love it, love it, yeah. And Bloomy Bloomy likes to put that that hat on and really go over the conspiracies. <laughs> this is one that I think clearly you just stated it broke Seattle's way. All right, Clinton. Well, I have one here that I think closes it out well from Hector Mark. Win is an in, heart attacks out. Uh, so many moments in this game where just the, those heart-stopping moments, whether it was the, the field goal at the end, whether it was just waiting on pins and needles to see what they were going to call for the Tedrick Thompson interception, uh, Chris Carson bobbling the ball on fourth down to the catch oh, in the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. So my, many heart-stopping moments. And the, the great part about that is that's actually the second verse to the Vanessa Williams song, which is amazing, <laughs> which is completely amazing. So Hector, thank you for, for, you know, thank you for being a friend uh, and, and great job. That is the, the ins, the outs, the ins, the outs. It was an emotional, emotional game and, uh, and it was a ton of fun. And for any of the flockers out there, if you have a chance to get out to the clink again, for me, it had been 15 years and, uh, and I was very grateful to get to go to this game, meet some of the flock and hang out, have some beers have some fun and it was just a it was a great ride and thank thank the maker we won the game because it would have been it would have been tough if it went the other way but it didn't we get the big w we're four and one brandon and with that i think there's only one thing left to say go hawks go hawks 